when I was growing up, the words gay, lesbian, queer, transgender always had a negative connotation in the black community. It was frowned upon to be anything but heterosexual, mainly because of religion, but also because of the idea that black people already had a strike and being another other would only compound the already difficult lives we were to experience. So being queer was looked at as a white people thing. However, as an adult, I know that's not true. I know that sexual orientation and gender identity are a part of all of us, including black people. But I also know that the intersectionality of being black and LGBTQ does in fact add another layer of oppression to an already oppressed identity. There's no coincidence that rates of violence and death are higher among LGBTQ people of color. George Matthew Johnson, a black queer author, in his book, All Boys Aren't Blue, uses a metaphor about his cousins teaching him how to swim to describe allyship and the black LGBTQ experience. He notes that every day he chooses to swim headfirst into the deep end of racism, homophobia, and every other oppression thrown his way because the only other option is drowning and that too many in the black community are unwilling to reach down and pull up black LGBTQ individuals when they may be doing so. As you listen to this, I encourage you to ask yourself the same question he poses with your actions. Are you teaching others to swim or are you watching them drown? On this episode of Trendy Black, my guests, Aaron Delaney and Jordan Smith, discuss the black queer experience and what it's like to grow up and be grown at that intersection. Welcome to another episode of Trendy Black Podcast, where we talk about social, economical, and societal issues at large facing the black community. My name is Tanisha Stokes. I'm your host. And today, we are tackling this uh, issue of, or not even an issue, but just the presence of LGBTQ in the black community and what that means and how we, as a people, have kind of dealt with that over time. Um, so today I have two guests. The first one is Aaron Delaney. Aaron, say hey to the people. Hello, hello. And Jordan Smith. I told you when I first heard your last name, I was like, mm, <laughs> yeah, hello, you thing. made that up. <laughs> no, that's the alias. But no, hey, hey everyone, how's it going? <laughs> All right, so I'm going to go ahead and uh, give you guys a few minutes to introduce yourselves. Maybe just tell, tell everybody who you are. Yeah, so like she already said, my name is Aaron Delaney. I'm born and raised from Decatur, Georgia. Um, I am a PhD candidate, as I like to say, in counseling psychology at VCU, Virginia Commonwealth University, in case you didn't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome, awesome. And my name is Jordan Smith. I'm born and raised right here in Richmond, Virginia. Um, and uh, my background is in mainly customer service, but, you know, school of hard knocks. You know how that is. That's what's up. So both of you are kind of like born and raised in the South. <laughs> Um, yeah, this is going to be real good. Interesting. Yeah, we'll be able to talk some. Oh, Georgia, Bible Belt. Yes, All yes, right. yes. All right, so let's start at the beginning, right? Because I, I, I kind of want to get uh, from your perspective, like, what it was like for you growing up um, and maybe, like, when you determined or when you felt like you knew that, you know, being gay was a part of your identity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me a little bit, Erin, about, about your upbringing and what that was like for you and kind of when you knew... Um, and, and how you, how you came to terms with, you know, this is how I'm feeling and tell me a little bit about your family. What was that like? Well, um, born and raised in like a Christianic household. So we went to church every Sunday. We would go to Bible study every Wednesday. Um, it was really heavy. Um, and for me, I think that I knew I was attracted to girls or yeah, to girls when I was little. Like I would have, you know how some people have like boyfriends, you know, those play boyfriends. I would have play girlfriends and play boyfriends, right? Um, so I knew like at a young age, but no one ever talked about it. I talked about being part of the LGBTQT community or anything like that. Um, and so it took me a while until I got to college to really be okay with saying, yeah, I think, I think I'm attracted to women. I'm going to try to see like, What's that about? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's kind of how I came into terms. I do remember, like, my mom, when I was younger, I wanted to, I love playing basketball. And so I wanted to be on this sports team, and she was like, uh, no, you can't do that because they are full of lesbians. And mm-hmm. so that was my first, like, 
notion that it wasn't okay mm-hmm. to be part mm-hmm. of that community gotcha. at such a young age. So it did take me a while to kind of come out. Okay. How are you, Jordan? Um, and for me, very similar. Um, we had no um, choice in going to church every Sunday. Um, there was weekly Bible study as well. Um, you know, we were very much involved. And I think on top of that, too, um, you know, I grew up in a household where my mom and my dad were both present, mm. um, which kind of made a bit of a difference, too, um, because I didn't have as much freedom um, as, like, some of my friends did. Like, we weren't, you know, we, somebody was always home. Mm. My, one of my parents worked during, at night, the other one worked during the day, we got picked, dropped off and picked up from school. So it wasn't like I had a lot of outlets. Um Probably, um, I don't think I knew, I always had the feeling for sure, but I was always um, attracted to girls as well mm-hmm. um, at a younger age. Um, my mom always tells people like, I was just everybody's friend. Um, I don't think with guys, I don't think I realized that it was an attraction um, until probably I got to high school. Um, and one of my best friends in high school actually um, came out a year before I did. And we had been friends forever, and I didn't know anything. And it was kind of like, huh. Um, and it took me a whole other year before I actually told him um, because it was one of those things I don't think I even realized um, the feeling. Um, and then once I left and went to college, I was kind of able to explore it a little bit more because mm-hmm. I didn't feel like I had that hanging over my head, the expectations and stuff for my family. So it was a little bit easier for me to kind of say, okay, this is what I am. This is what I want. Um, and so, yeah, right around college mm-hmm. was kind of when I was just like, okay, this is what it is. Um, yeah. And so you actually dated women before. How about you? Did you ever date? I did. Let's yeah. say you dated people. And what was that like for you? Uh, it was... It was cool, right? Um, in the sense that, you know, I always believe that sexuality is fluid. So it's on a spectrum. Cool, cool, cool. Um, but with dating men, I it was more like fun. Mm. Like, I was never going to settle down. Mm. There was never, like, future plans of, like, getting married to a man or anything like that. Right. So, like, me dating men was, like, cool. It's something fun. Like, oh, you get the pay for my dates sometimes that's that's what's oh, up nice. you know that's nice um but it was never for me it was never nothing any anything serious um when i was dating men and is that kind of just like the direction that things went or because you maybe felt like uh, this might not be it no definitely probably felt like mm, something something is missing mm-hmm. right um it wasn't the attraction part because you know um, I was attracted to men. It was more of being committed. Mm-hmm. That just didn't... What people were saying, what it should have been like, or what it's supposed to look like, I wasn't getting that kind of vibe from men. It was just mm-hmm. like, something something is happening, something is missing. Don't know what mm-hmm. it is, but I can tell you that I wasn't being my, my full self. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, it was... Um, I mean, I had girlfriends up through high school, um, I think it was uh, again. I use that word expectation. Mm-hmm. I think there was this idea, and and it relates. I think especially to being brought up in the church. There's this idea of what um, you know a man and a wife is supposed to look like, mm-hmm. or um, you know. Uh, and for me, I'm I'm a bit type A, so in my mind, I kind of I was sold on that initially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, being a teenage boy, hormones mm-hmm. take over. And I think that part of it for me was like there was a curiosity that was building that was way stronger than anything I had going on at that time. It was just like, huh, this is different. Um, it was also the idea of it being, you know, in secret or taboo that kind of was attractive to me too, as bad as that sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a mystery and the, and the secrecy to it that um, at 17, 18, it was kind of like it was attractive to me. Mm-hmm. Um and, and I think I kind of held on to that for a while. Uh, I, I made the transition quick, though. It was like, oh, you know, hey. Because I think also you kind of have to choose being a dude. Like, sometimes you got to choose. It's like, well, you can't do both. So figure one out. And um, I was just like, okay, I think this is what, um, you know, me being gay makes sense. It just made sense. And I felt like once I kind of explored it a little bit more, I was like, oh, okay. So this is what I was feeling. Um, and that's kind of where I went with it. 
Gotcha. Gotcha. After that. So I think it's very interesting, Erin, because you said something earlier about how when your mom said you couldn't be on the sports team because it was full of lesbians, mm-hmm. um, that was like your first inclination that maybe this isn't, you know, is not accepted or it's not, you know, right in, in the eyes of my family. Mm-hmm. I found that very interesting, especially growing up in the church myself, because mm-hmm. I grew up in like a super religious family. Like I, my mom has what, like five sisters and I think three of them are married to preachers. Um, and so, like, growing up, we went to my cousin's church, um, and then beyond that, like, college and things like that, I went to my uncle's church, but they were, like, Kojic, like, Church of God mm-hmm. in Christ, so, like, real holy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just remember, I feel like that, that thing, um, as a sin, if people consider it a sin, mm-hmm. that was elevated to, like, the top of sendom. Like, it mm-hmm. was, like, the very, like, the worst thing mm-hmm. that you could be. Oh, you murdered somebody, that's fine, you got for forgiveness. Oh, you gay, oh, you went straight to hell. Mm-hmm. Like, there was no in-between. There was no, you know, and it was drilled into us from a very young age, like, all the way through. My cousins and I used to talk about another cousin of ours mm-hmm. that, you know, we thought might have been gay and all this kind of stuff. But it was never anything positive. It was mm-hmm. just, like, just condemnation the entire time. And so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that, you know, growing up, if when, when I started to have feelings like that where I might be attracted to women, it was, like, quickly pushed down. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, no, nah, you can't, you know, they say you're going to hell. You know we're living in the last days. Mm-hmm. Like, you know. <laughs> You know, it was great. Exactly. It was crazy spots. Like, no, you ain't. No, you ain't. Um, And so I find it very interesting that that was like your first inclination growing up in the church. Yeah. Um, Yeah, because I don't think, I don't think I've ever experienced when I was younger anyone talking about sexuality. Anyone talking about sexuality, period. Mm -hmm. Because it was so... Like you were saying, with the expectation, the expectation is you're going to marry a man if you're a woman, or if you're a man, you're going to marry a woman, right? Um, and I do think Christianity does play a huge part in that in that big expectation of what people have for you, right? Like, if I'm going to hell, then hell no, I ain't telling, I'm not coming out, like, I'm going to suppress what, I, what I'm feeling about being attracted to, to women, like, I even remember, like, when I did come out, first time coming out, and my older sister, I, mm, that's a whole different story. But anyway, what she said was, you know you're going to go to hell. Mm-hmm. And, like, for me, I was, take, I was taking a step back because I was just like, first you're supposed to be part of my family, you're supposed to love me regardless. Um, and, like, kind of like, how, how could you, how could you, like, say that? Um, but you know, learning more about her and myself and knowing how much Christianity played a huge role in our family, Mm -hmm. that sometimes going outside of that box is really difficult, Mm. um, to be, to be able to express who you really are. Even for people who are, say, my supporters, they're heavenly in Christianity and church. And for them to even go beyond that and be like, you know what? that might not be true, it's difficult for people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I've learned. I think also, kind of to add on to that, um, to add another layer to it, mm-hmm. um, growing up like that, I can say I don't even recall having com- very general conversations about sex, period. Mm-hmm. Like, that wasn't something where, you know, I-, I think eventually there was a conversation between me and my dad about, you know, the birds and the bees. But I was probably like 15. And by that point, you know... I was figuring stuff out on my right. own, um, <laughs> you know. Um, so I think that played another another layer, and I think it also added into my feeling of anxiety about even having a conversation mm-hmm. about it, because there were just certain things that we just didn't talk about. Like we just mm-hmm. didn't talk about certain things, and that's not to say my parents are amazing. That's not to say anything about them. Sure. Um, because now as a, as adults, we talk about things differently. Mm-hmm. Um, but at that age, I don't even recall it ever being like you know. You know, hey, well, what's going on in your life? You know, mm-hmm. um, my mom one time, I think the, probably the first time it was ever brought to me. And it was interesting because at that point I was in the seventh grade. Mm-hmm. And my in, in, in my mom's mind, growing up, I always had friends that were girls. Hmm. Um, I don't think it was necessarily a, a gay thing per se, mm-hmm. um, but girls just gravitated to me. And then I went to middle school and my group of friends were all guys. 
And I would never forget, she was driving me to school one morning. And um, I guess the night before, I had been on the phone or something with one of my friends from school. And mind you, this has nothing to do with anything having to do with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but she asked me very, like, blatantly. It was like, um, so what's going on with you and all these little boys hanging around? Mm-hmm. And I couldn't, for life me, I didn't even know what she was getting at. Like, right. it was just like, oh, like, I mean, they're my friends. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that was probably the, and thinking back on it in retrospect, I think that was the first time where maybe she saw something that I didn't even see. Mm-hmm. And she was trying to kind of probe me about it. Mm-hmm. But I was so like, what? what? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it was interesting. Um, and so thinking about it now, that might have been the first time where I maybe had a sense of, maybe this isn't something that's good or maybe mm-hmm. this is something that's a problem or it could eventually be problematic. So yeah, let me hold on to that Yeah, mm-hmm. and just not, you know, not even go there because, you know, by the time I was like 20, which is when I came out, mm-hmm. um, it was hard. So you didn't have playboy friends like Aaron had playgirlfriends? No, I, I, no, I didn't. I didn't. And like, what was I thinking? Because um, that was one of those things. Like I have all these friends that, you know, had those kind of experiences. And like I said, my parents were very like, we didn't spend a night at people's houses. We didn't. I mean, they were very, uh, they had us very structured, um, which I was a bit of a wild child. So that was probably good for me. Um, but even then, um, I didn't have those outlets. Yeah. So it took me a while to kind of even understand what it was I was going through. Mm-hmm. I think what I find so interesting about what both of you are, are saying, I mean, outside of like, you know, like I said, my family was really religious. My mom was kind of like the one on the outside of the church. Like, you know, my mom was like, um, I love Jesus, but, you know, I, I'm still going to be me. Right. right? Mm-hmm. And so when we were growing up, it was always a topic in my house, sex, relationships, mm. like it to the point where it, it almost got to the point where you'd be like, dang, I wish my mama didn't talk about it. You know? right. <laughs> it was always a topic. Like you'd be watching something and people would start kissing and stuff. My mama would look at us and be like, what they doing? Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> you were like, no, <laughs> no mama, no. Um, but she was very open about mm. these things. Whereas I know some of my cousins um, probably did not have that same experience, but mm. for us, it was always present in our house um, and so to hear you all say that that really wasn't something that was really talked about is very interesting because here we are, what, 20 years later, mm. and that's still the case for many people. It's like these things are not talked about in our house, even with all of the information that, that we have, the information that children have access to mm-hmm. with the internet. Like, how is this not something that we are bringing to the front and, and you know, communicating about and, and talking about and bringing light to? I just think it's very interesting. I think... Sex tends to be generally taboo in our society, mm-hmm. but then within that, you know, with, within not just sex, but sexual identity, um, sexual orientation, like all of these things are still very taboo, which is really sad because it just, it just brings about more issues. People start to hide, people start mm-hmm. to suppress, people t- start to act reckless, you know? Um, and so going back to, you know, how you guys uh, grew up, like, I think they say that some, somewhere around, like, 70-something percent of, like, black LGBTQ, you hear, you know, family and friends saying negative things about the community growing up. And, again, that makes you a little bit, you know, you get those signals and you'd be mm-hmm. like, hold up. Um, so, you know, outside of, like, the examples that you kind of gave already with, like, mm-hmm. your immediate family did you hear these things growing up with, like, your peers, or what was it like? Um, because I actually did play on a basketball team, and I will tell you that there were several girls on my team that we were like, mm, you know, she might, you know, she she might be. But, again, we didn't yeah. really talk about it, especially not today faces. Mm-hmm. Um, but we didn't really mm-hmm. talk about it um, outside of, like, it was an, an almost like an anomaly. Like, it was mm-hmm. something different, not, you know... Not, not the norm, right? Um, so, wh- how was that experience for y'all, like with your friends and uh, maybe other family members and maybe other signals that you might have gotten in those groups? Um, what's interesting is outside of my immediate family, um, growing up, um, I have a family member that I did not know was a lesbian mm-hmm. and had been a lesbian her entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was very close with. But as a kid, it never even registered to me. Like, we met her girlfriend, who took, I can remember, we took a trip one time, and her girlfriend was there, and, like, paid for everything, and it was just, like, really amazing. But at that age, it just never even, um, I never even thought about it. You know, she called my grandparents, mom and dad, hmm. 
on that end, they were like super liberal. But kind of the structure that I had in my own household, I, it didn't register to me. Even as an adult, it didn't register to me. Um, as far as my friends, I don't even recall until I went. I, I went to an initial high school that my parents ended up pulling me out of um, for something totally not related to that, but just grades and different things. Oh, you um, was wilding? I was, pretty much. Let's just call it, let's call it what it is, folks. Um, I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do. And um, I was like, this ain't going to work. Um, and I ended up going to a magnet school um, where I had I went from not knowing anybody, especially males. I didn't know any males that were gay. At that point, I had a couple of female friends that were um, or at least identified that way, presented that way, so it was what it was. And I always felt like with that, they were always cool and accepted. Mm-hmm. It was never an issue of like, oh, you know, she gay. It was weird. It was always like, oh, you know, she she cool, you know, in, 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 in that respect. Um, and then when I went to the magnet school, uh, there was a whole cluster of guys that were gay. And so it totally changed. And then I kind of became the object of, um, you sure you're not? Like, it was that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But again, people were seeing things in me that I didn't see in myself, mm-hmm. um, which I was just kind of slow to the party. You know, I was a, maybe I was a bit of a late bloomer in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, initially, it was kind of tough because it was like, well, no, not at all. Like, no. And I, this went on for maybe like two or three years where it was like um, I was getting questioned quite a bit. Like, well, this is who you hang out with. And, well, no, they're cool. Like, it is what it is. Um, and that kind of, that was a bit of turmoil for me um in the beginning mm-hmm. because I just didn't have any I didn't have an understanding of it yeah um and probably until I went to like my first club that was probably the first time I was like oh now I see mm-hmm. oh now I now now it feels right but I probably would have had I stayed in that situation or like been in that situation for any longer I probably would have kept denying that like well no y'all ain't about to force me out of nothing <laughs> I don't know like this ain't um but ostracized being ostracized or anything I can't ever say that I mean I, I was pretty pretty popular and have friends and stuff like that. And even after I decided to kind of start telling my friends in school, mm-hmm. um, people were pretty supportive of it. I don't think it was too um, shocking, which I'm like, dang. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, y'all won't shock me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I mean, my experience wasn't horrible in that respect. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I would say it's a little bit different. My experience was a little bit different in the sense that even though like, my immediate family and people around me didn't talk about the the community or people in the community. Like even when we would see like uh, two women holding hands, I would look at my mom and my mom would be like, you know, like mm-hmm. freak. Like when people like freak out, you'd be like, why are you doing all that? It's not really that serious. Or like two two men kissing, right? It was like those subtle. Um, those sort of like impressions, mm-hmm. gestures that really that really said a lot right? for me in a way as a child, even as a teenager. Um, even when like I would try to talk to my peers about sexuality or like <laughs> what I've been getting into, mm-hmm. right? such as the L word. I ain't gonna lie, I ain't gonna lie. The L word was my shit back in the past. <laughs> but like people would people would like clam up or mm-hmm. be uncomfortable talking about those topics, then I was like, you know what, I'm not really going to share that, um, that part of me with mm-hmm. them. Um, I will also say that when I did come out in college, um, mm-hmm. I used to hang around a, a woman that, you know, dressed in more masculine, right? Uh, I think she would identify herself as a stud. And people would like, I would hear people would talk about, are they in a relationship? Which we wasn't, you know, just cool people, but right. like, I think I would get the stares. And I'm not sure if that was due to how I identify or other other things. Mm-hmm. But those are some things that you just notice, right? People are not really talking to you or like coming up as they would someone who, who might dress more feminine, mm-hmm. even though you don't even know their sexuality, right? And so it was like those kind of things that was like, that, that made me really uncomfortable mm-hmm. about talking or disclosing my sexuality. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like looks and those shades. I'd be like, hey, man, I'm just trying to live my best life. And that's <laughs> interesting. Because um, I came out in college as well. And I I did it in kind of a, grand, a very grand way. I don't know why I chose to make a big statement at like a, a Black Student Alliance meeting. But it was something very similar where it was like I had met um, a couple of girls 
um, who were in a relationship, and mm-hmm. it kind of took on to me very early. Like I said, my relationship with, with women in the community was always very different with men. I just never, I didn't have um, guys that like, were, you know, were like, oh, you know, you know, come over here with us. It was always like trying to figure something out. So I shot away from that. And the first girls I met when I went to college were in a relationship. They're like, hey, we're having a meeting tonight. Um, and it was about homophobia in the black community. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I just came to listen. That's it. I didn't come to like talk about me or do any of that. Um, and the thing that really stuck out to me was that there was a panel um, of like three or four people that night, a um, couple authors, um, but they were all women. Hmm. And um, the woman that was heading the meeting was like her biggest thing. She had a really hard time getting a man to commit, a gay man to come and speak to college kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're talking about, I'm not going to say how long ago it was, but um, it was a, it was just very interesting to me. And before I knew it, I kind of just, I just stood up and was like, you know, my name is Jordan, um, you know, I'm a gay man. I identify as one, but I dare any of y'all to get to know me. Take that out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kind of challenged the room to like not see me as that. Yeah. And that changed everything. Like mm-hmm. the next day, it was like everybody on campus knew me. It was different. It was a very different dynamic, mm-hmm. um, which was good because I had never even knew that it was something where oh wow I'm a, I'm a really like if I do come out it's gonna be bad was always kind of my thought process behind yeah. it it's gonna be bad yeah. um because I hadn't really seen too many positive um interactions yeah. when it came to the community mm-hmm. um so yeah that that was interesting mm-hmm. so what kind of reactions had you seen that signaled to you that it was gonna be bad um uh, going back to what she was saying about, um, you know, presentation is a big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, people gravitate to what they're comfortable with. Mm-hmm. For me, every experience and like the guys that the group of guys from my high school that I knew, um, you know, a lot of them, they lived out loud. Mm-hmm. You know, there was no hiding anything. There was no and they were fine with it. It was what it was. That was kind of what I saw because even though like you know in our school environment everybody was cool and everybody knew them Mm -hmm. I'm sure walking around I would hear stories and stuff it was tough Mm -hmm. so and even when I finally came out to my parents that was one of the first things my mom said to me was like I don't it's so cliche I don't want you to have a hard life was always the thing I don't want your life to be hard your life is going to be hard now because this is what you're choosing for yourself why mm-hmm. would you choose this for yourself your life's going to be hard but she was like I'm black right listen I've like, always been hard you know? <laughs> you know and that's 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 a really interesting point you know um, but I think in a lot of you know I think especially like mothers with their sons it becomes um, a flash to like all the things they did wrong and what mm-hmm. didn't they see and um, it becomes a reflection of them mm-hmm. even though that got nothing to do with you but it's a reflection <laughs> Um, and so I was, I just always felt like, and like you said, those small things of mm-hmm. stuff on TV or like, um, you know, those were the things I think that spoke the loudest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, and for a long time, I mean, I, I would, I played the part, mm-hmm. you know, I played the part and it was like, even if I was out, it was definitely like I dressed a certain way and you know, you had to be in the B-boy stance and it was yes. never, um, being as open. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can respect, I can respect those. Because it's not an easy walk. Mm-mm. It's not an easy walk. So tell me, so you already touched on like the next thing that I wanted to talk about was this idea of coming out and like what was it like for you to come out? Who did you come out to the first time? Uh, outside of the Black Studio Alliance, right? Like in right. your family, right? <laughs> My parentals, wow. Which one of your parents did you come out to first and what was the reaction that you received and the, and the, the talk? And you kind of touched on it a little bit already, Jordan, so if you want to expand on that a little bit. Um, so the first person that, um, and I would hate, I don't, I don't even like to say come out because I kind of got found out, mm. um, and it was by my dad. Um, I think leading up to that, I, there were probably little signs mm-hmm. that, you know, that they probably kind of was catching on to. Um, but my freshman year, I came home, I came home from college and there was, um, a, a guy that I knew, um, uh, from the area that I would hang out with, um, and... I don't know what possessed me to invite him to my parents' house, um, but I did. <laughs> and long story short, my dad um, came downstairs, and we weren't doing anything. Let me start there. There was, there was, there was, it wasn't, it, it ain't triple X, but um, we were kind of like hanging out, and I'm like, you know, very loungy and very comfortable, 
on this guy. And my dad kind of walked in on us and was like, and I think more of it, it probably wouldn't even been as big of a deal had I not reacted the way I did. And it was very much like, oh, something wrong. I'm not doing something. Yeah, (laughs) I'm not doing anything good. And um, he just, he came downstairs and then he just turned around and went back upstairs. Hmm. And he didn't say anything. Oh, wow. Which I would just prefer you go off. I'm yeah. like, all right, bro, you got to go. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that's exactly what it was. Like, look, I'm sorry. Um, you got to leave. And so I went to his room, and I will never forget. He looked at me, and he was like, you giving me a real funny feeling about you right now. And he just got into bed. He didn't say anything. He just, like, totally turned his back on me, didn't say anything. And I couldn't. I, I, it was just so much going on. I just couldn't. So I just ended up going to my room. And thinking about it now, I was kind of more in a in a in a stuck space, mm. but I didn't really care that much that he found out. It was my mom that like I was like, oh god, she's gonna come home from work tomorrow morning and it's gonna be some mess mm. because we had never really had those kind of conversations. Mm-hmm. And so my dad he let me kind of stay in my room for for a few hours and then he was like, you know, we are gonna talk about this when we take you back to school tomorrow. Um, by the way, I'm not telling your mother that's your job, but you better do it sooner rather than later. Oh, wow. And that's what he left it as. And I'm like, oh. And I was I was in knots. I was, I'm not going to cry. I was in knots. Um, and it was probably a week. I went back to school and everything. and didn't say anything. And he was calling me like every day, like, you talk to your mom yet? Did you talk to your mom yet? And I'm like, no. He's like, call her right now. She just got home. Call her right now. And um, she and I ended up having a conversation. And she was very much like, yeah, okay, I know. Mm. Um, but I don't. She, my mom is always led everything in love. Mm-hmm. So, but she was also the strict one. Like mm-hmm. she was the one that you know was holding everything together. Um, she was the one that was the disciplinarian when it came to us. So for her, it, she was just very like stern about it mm-hmm. in the beginning, mm-hmm. um, which still kind of made me really uncomfortable even having the conversation. I mean, I was blubbering, crying. Like <laughs> she's like, all right, cut all that out, cut all that out. We knew. Um, and we eventually got got to talk more about it and expand on things. And me and my dad actually got extremely close after that because mm. we had a, two hours in a car to talk. Yeah. <laughs> and, we're, and he was very um, understanding, mm-hmm. um, believe it or not. And it was just, but he felt like there was things that he missed. I think it just bothered him that he had missed certain things, mm. um, clues like, well, what did I do? Like, well, he was like, well, it was something I did. I'm like, no, like you, you were great. I mean, he was always there. It was, he was great. Um, but I think he kind of carried the guilt yeah. about it. Um, but yeah, so that was my experience. Yeah. Um, I would say my experience was a little bit different. <laughs> um, it was sophomore year of college. I was coming home for, for something. Uh, and you know, when it's like your first love per se, you like, mm. I'm ready to risk it all. Like, <laughs> something, something's going on with me. Like, oh. <laughs> so my mom took took me to breakfast. I was like, I need to talk to you. Sit it down nicely. I'm like, I'm shaking, but I'm like, Aaron, you, you're going to do this. You're going to do this. You got this. Uh, but I tell her, right? I was like, you know, I think I'm attracted to, I think. That's always an easy way. Yeah, easy man to I think I'm attracted to females or women. And she was like, I already knew that. Like, I've seen signs. You've been showing it. It's okay. She was very loving, supportive. Um, and, you know, I'm crying. I'm like, oh, are you sure? Okay. Like, like, stuff like that. She's like, it's fine. It's cool. I'm still going to love you. Regardless. Um, she did have that conversation with me about how it is going to be hard doing that talk um being black being a woman and you know being part of the community and i was like you know we didn't have to go that far in that (laughs) first talk right Um, but i appreciated her being very open Mm -hmm. um to me coming out it was it was kind of it was really beautiful um in that sense i would say with my dad it was a little different Mm -hmm. i think i was more nervous to tell my dad um than my mom and you know, I'm a very straightforward kind of person. So we're at his house. I'm like, you know what, Dad? Let me let me talk to you for a second. Let's let's go outside. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I'm like, and this is after like a blowout with the family about me coming out. Um, but he didn't really know anything. I was like, you know, I think um I think I, I like women. And his first reaction was like, How do you know that? <laughs> like, how do you know? And I'm like. I just know, like, right. period, period, <laughs> I just know. 
Um, and he was like, okay, well, I'm going to love you. I'm going to, you know, accept, not accept you, but I'm going to love you regardless of your sexual orientation in his own way of saying that. And then he was like, but I just don't understand. I want you to respond. And I was like, I, I can't. I, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I don't know what to tell you. I, there's no like right or wrong answer to that big question of, I don't understand how, how did this happen? Um, I would say my dad took, it took him a couple of years to really get in his head that I wasn't going to marry a man. Mm-hmm. Um, he would push me towards that. Uh, and I was like, no, it's, it's just not going to happen. So I think it was that expectation of what he saw his daughter or who he saw his daughter might marry. Mm-hmm. That he just couldn't like get over that hump. Um, now it's cool. Uh, but in the beginning, it was very difficult. Um, he would say some stuff too about like, you know, uh, someone like, you're too pretty to, mm. to be a lesbian to be part of the community and like I think that would that I internalized that a lot mm-hmm. um, when it came to my own gender expression that you was too pretty not like too uh, like not too pretty like that's a compliment I internalized all of it <laughs> not, that, not that but the internalization that just because I'm pretty means that I I have to marry or yep. date mm. men you know like like what are you really saying mm-hmm. um, I think I internalized that message Right, and if that's the expectation, then hmm, it it made me question sometimes. Like, mm. is this the right thing? Because I think mm. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Right, it's not a definite. Right. Uh, but then later on, when I was coming into terms with who I am, I was like, no, it's a definite. <laughs> like, <laughs> like stop lying to them. Like, right. so you won't hurt their feelings. Right? Yeah. I think that's interesting. This is something that the three of us talked about a while ago. We were talking about like this expectation that your parents place on you, and I somewhat think that it is a it's a generational thing to mm-hmm. some extent, right? So like I I don't know about the two of you, but I know like in my family, I was pretty much first generation college, mm-hmm. um, and my parents had very high standards, very high mm-hmm. hopes um, for me, um, and so to your point where you were saying before Jordan about how they have your life planned out like mm-hmm. it you know they know how hard it was for them mm-hmm. right just being black in America they knew yeah. how hard it was mm-hmm. for them they knew what was at stake with you and bringing you up and yeah. and what they wanted for you yeah first and this probably boy. wasn't mm-hmm. in their plans right in their plans for you mm-hmm. um, and, and what's and I'm sorry not to even cut you no, off but it's, it's interesting um I was by no means first generation college. Mm-hmm. So even with that, 10th grade, I'm like, they're like, so what school you going to go to? What you going to pledge? Yeah. Like, this is like my family, not even just my immediate family, but they, so everybody was kind of like, you yeah. know, You're Jordan's going to be this. Um, and I think even with my extended family, that played a big role in how I viewed my sexuality and who I wanted to talk to about it and how I would, I mean, I could even say now, there are times where I think about that. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll think about my social media or I'll think about um, because I'm like, well, I know people are watching and mm-hmm. what are they gathering from this? Mm-hmm. Um, and who am I letting down in this moment? And that's kind of like a horrible way to sometimes think because it's not for anybody else. You yeah. know, your life is your own and you have to live it um, to the best you yeah. can, you know. Um, but that definitely is something that I still struggle with sometimes. It's like I'm thinking constantly about what other people are going to think about what I'm doing in this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it, it's... Yeah, I would say even going off of that, like, I still, like, especially when it comes to how I dress. Mm. I think that's the biggest thing of me thinking, okay, what are people going to think? What if I post this? What if I look more masculine? Like, what if... Like, what am my family going to think, right? I remember when I started dressing more masculine because, you know, I feel comfortable in it. <laughs> uh, my sister, my older sister, was like, are you trying to be a boy? Like, are you, mm-hmm. what's going on? And I'm just like, no. And that, I think one of those similar comments really mm, pushed me to, or prevented me from really being able to express how I wanted to ex- express myself in clothing. Mm. Um, in society because if my sister is thinking that I'm wondering what everybody else is thinking am I going to let them down am I going to disappoint them if I dress more masculine if I wear a suit like people will be like oh yeah Aaron Aaron wants to be a boy shit like 
sorry, stuff like that really kind of, I still think about to this day. Yeah. Yeah, I think just in general in the black community, there is this, uh, there is still this feeling, um, and, and some of it I think is very justified, but there's this feeling that you're not only representing yourself mm-hmm. or your family, you are representing an entire people, right? Mm-hmm. You, you are representing a whole race. Uh, and we still feel that mm-hmm. in, in certain aspects, right? Yeah. Uh, whether it's just your day-to-day life or, you know, your job and all of these things. And so it doesn't surprise me that you all kind of felt that same pressure um, just even coming out and, and being who you are to, to your family, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Um, back to what I was saying about it being like a generational thing, right? About the things that our parents had for us. And then, you know, as you all think about, um, and I haven't asked this question, but do you feel like one day you might want to have like children of your own? Yeah. Do you uh, want to take one of my children? I do not. Okay. I do not. I do not. You know, I do not. <laughs> My girlfriend and I, we we have talked about having a, a kid mm-hmm. or two. Um, I think it's in the works. You know, she's still on the fence. I'm like, no, whatever you like, baby, whatever, whatever works. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Um, but we have talked about like not setting those expectations mm-hmm. um, that our parents put on us, particularly when it comes to like gender roles, sexuality, sex. We're gonna have those conversations Mm -hmm. and be open about it like shoot if you i'm just gonna someone said i'm just gonna throw out some clothes and let them choose Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. like that for me is a beautiful thing because i think even at a young age we tell our child something Mm -hmm. even if it's not intentional Mm -hmm. um even by like the color or the painting the colors on like whatever you paint right for their room right that that may means something else yeah Mm -hmm. you know how like pink is for girls and like blue is for is for boys like and stuff like that so we have talked about it and trying to like being able to have those difficult conversations if we do have them Mm -hmm. um but also normalizing and validating however they feel and being open about Mm -hmm. whatever they bring to us yeah i um it's it's interesting that you asked that um, I am at the age now. I ain't gonna tell y'all how old I am, but I'm at the age now where I'm kind of being okay with the fact that I may not have kids. Mm-hmm. That was something that, um, more so than anything, I always wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know with who, I didn't know how, but it was one of those things where I always knew I wanted kids. And I'm kind of at the point now where I'm like, I don't know if it's one of those things. Maybe I'm too old now to start from the beginning, or and I've thought about fostering. But then also, uh, my partner has children. Mm-hmm. So um, so it's been, for me, in our relationship, it's been kind of trying to foster those relationships mm-hmm. um, because it's a very different dynamic for us. Yeah. Um, and his children are adults. Like, they, they're not small. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been kind of the thing as well. It's like trying to kind of build that bridge mm-hmm. um, of being in this relationship. But then also, you know, you have this family who has seen you some kind of way for years. And so that's been something that's been very different. Um, And he and I talk about it too. You know, he's always like, you know, you know, are you sure? Like, you know, you can always, we can always, we can always adopt, you know, Mm -hmm. if you want to, or, you know, if you wanted to adopt and we could, could, there's ways that we could find it. But I'm kind of like now too, um, I think that uh, I want to, like that pressure has been taken off of me. I'm Mm -hmm. finally beginning to the point that I'm like, it's okay. If it happens, great. Um, if it doesn't happen, uh, I'm going to be happy in where I am. And then, you know, the love that I have, I can spread to other kids in my family or, you know, people that may need me, my friends or, you know, so, so that's kind of where my head is with it now. Um, so not totally ruling it out, but, um, I have started to kind of come to grips that it might not happen and I probably need to just be okay with that. That makes sense. Um, if that's something, you know, that, that you want, um, but, you know, if you can have children now, even at, you know, 30, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right, right, like it's never too late, right, 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 right. Right. um, but I want to go back 
to to the reactions that you all mentioned when you were coming out, right? The crying and mm. the shaking and all of this. Do you feel like that feeling was born out of guilt or shame or fear of of what you might receive in return? Sheer terror. Terror. Sheer terror. I, you just don't know. And honestly, I'm, know. I'm a little. I'm a little. Um, I can be a little dramatic anyway. So, um, but but even with that, like, it, there definitely was um, dread. Mm. There was dread. I mean, I, it was not at all a conversation. First of all, a conversation that I even wanted to have. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds really bad to say, um, but I probably would have not told them for way longer. Mm-hmm. Um, and just move to another state and live my life, and then y'all kind of piece together what you think, and it is what it is. Please yeah. don't ask me because I ain't got nothing for you, um, which is not a way to live either. Mm-hmm. You know, people mm-hmm. people tell you that they love you. They should at least have a little bit of a sliver into what your life is. You shouldn't feel like you're totally living uh, in the shadows. Yeah. But it wasn't something that I wanted to do, and yeah. and that was it was a real anxiety that came along with that. Mm-hmm. It was a real anxiety. I mean, for days. I mean, it was just like, and even after, like, I still was weird. I was weird because I was like, well, who are they going to talk to? Mm. What is it, it going to be at, at Thanksgiving? Yeah. Um, you know, when everybody's thinking, 50 people, what is it going to be? Um, and I put a lot of pressure on myself. Mm. I put a lot of pressure on myself. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I would say, I would say for me, the biggest thing, because, you know, as a kid, I never wanted to, like, not even as a though, but as a kid, I never wanted to disappoint my my parents. I still don't, uh, and I I was more of a people pleaser. So mm-hmm. if someone was like, if I was just a people pleaser in that sense, um, and so I was very close to my mom's, and I was like, man, I don't want to disappoint her. So I was scared, you know, anxiety, anxious. How is this gonna go? I see no TV. Like some people, some people coming out is not for some people. It's not fun. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, people get kicked out. People have to leave their homes and things like that. And so I was just wondering, and gets a sense of rejection, is that going to happen to me? Because yeah. that is kind of what I, I saw the process. Like, I didn't see any coming out process as something positive. Like, yeah. no, didn't happen. It didn't exist right. um, back in the day. Um, and so for me, I think the crying had to do with being scared that I would disappoint my mom disappoint my dad and really not live up to this expectations the expectations they had of me um was difficult yeah for me yeah I think that what I even now when I listen to people's coming out stories um you know whether it's my friends or people I meet at work or whatever um there, there's that consistent theme of, mm-hmm. you know, I'm terrified that I'm going to be rejected. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of that rejection, I feel like, centers around two things, right? Mm-hmm. Or the fear is coming from two things. And a lot of times they're either pointing to religion mm-hmm. um, and what that means to their family and, you know, and what, like, the community, their community, mm-hmm. um, and then the other thing is um, this this idea, and you touched on this earlier that your life is going to be harder, mm-hmm. right? So when we think about intersectionality, right, and we think about the fact that you know you're for you, Aaron, like you're black, mm-hmm. you're female, you're lesbian, mm-hmm. and so you have these three like underrepresented. Um, you know, identities that mm-hmm. make up you, right? Yeah. Um, and so, do you feel like, how do you feel like this this piece of your identity on top of the others have kind of impacted you? Ooh. Leading up to where you are now. Like, has that's it negatively... That's a loaded question. Real <laughs> do you feel like it has negatively impacted, uh, you know, maybe where you are mm-hmm. in life or how people see you or... Uh, what you've been able to accomplish. I mean, I don't know Dr. Aaron over here. Like, <laughs> I, know, I don't know Dr. Aaron, but I'm going to put it out there for you. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah um, I would say definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if, for me, having that part of the first conversation that I had with my mom about sexuality um, has, I would say, yes, it definitely has, particularly in the workplace. 
or like professional place for me. Yeah. Because um, I've had the tendency to not talk about my sexuality or being a lesbian. Because like I can mm. not hide it, but I don't have to disclose that mm-hmm. as much as you know I'm black when you see me. You know I'm a female when you see me. Like those things I can't not hide, but those things I just like people already automatically judge or have stereotypes and things like that, right? Against those identities. And so for me, knowing and my mom telling me it's going to be really hard. Mm-hmm. In my mind, I'm like, okay, then I won't disclose the identity that no one can, can see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and I think, from, and it took me, a, it still takes me, it just, it took me a long time to really be like, you know what, that's a part of who you are. You shouldn't shy away from that. Because if people are going to accept you or if you're going to get a job, you want to do it because they know mm-hmm. you. right? Mm-hmm. Not what you present to the world, but they know who you really are. And so I think for me, it's I still have a hard time telling people, yeah, I have a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I do it by ah, my partner. Because <laughs> I was just having a conversation with someone. Yeah. My partner, because like you, you, you don't know their their gender. And uh, most people don't refer to their opposite sex. Exactly. That too. Right. right. So it's, even, uh, it's even like you'd be like, and so I'm still trying to work that out right now in my life of being more open with being a lesbian. Right. Because I didn't come out to to say my extended family. Yeah. Right. Um, it was just my immediate family. No one like no one talks about that I know of my sexuality to me with my extended family. So it was just like, yeah. well, if if I can not tell them that, then I don't have to tell the world this piece of who I am. And I think I was doing a disservice for myself. Right. Right. Because I still felt like some piece of me was still that little girl um, being in the closet mm. in a way. Um, no, I'm going to dress feminine so people don't assume right, mm. that I'm a lesbian. Um, and so I would say it has been difficult. And do you think that that is, a, that is because of, you know, the way that society kind of views the community? Or do you think that it's the way the community, black community, views the community? Mm-hmm. Or was it your family? Was your family the biggest driver in that decision initially to shy away from that piece? I think in the beginning, I think it was all three. I can't really piece that apart. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really, yes, all three influenced me in the beginning. But I think it was really the message from my mom that really like nailed it or whatever mm-hmm. um, and I was like oh snap like people are not going to accept all of me and my life is going to be even more difficult and more hard so why do I want to put that on myself yeah. right? just like my mom said like you don't need to do that like mm. why are you kind of what you said Jordan like why are you making why are you choosing this for yourself yeah. like hell no people don't choose this like because it's a difficult journey Mm-hmm. Um, and so going back to the original question, I think later on, it was still her message, but it was also society, like, like oppression, like even the black community, like what are they going to say? Like it's bigger than just our immediate family. Like mm-hmm. it goes beyond that. Yeah. What you see on TV, what you hear and things like that. Like no one, no one wants to be part of wants to be wants to have identities that people view as minorities mm-hmm. right like no nobody wants to be in that margin no one no. wants to be in that margin because you're the you're, you're the odd one out by, by people stand by most people's standards mm-hmm. um yeah and it's interesting um my experience is actually the absolute opposite of yours mm-hmm. whereas professionally for me being the black guy mm-hmm. It's actually, and I had, and I learned this very early on. For me to disclose my sexuality to people, all of a sudden, I wasn't as threatening. Mm-hmm. I wasn't, I wasn't. Oh, you know, the black guy in a fitted hat. Mm-hmm. You know, I could say the smallest thing and just give them the idea that I might be gay, and then all of a sudden, I was interested. 
So, and that was something that I learned very early on. I, hmm. I learned it here. I moved to New York and it worked for me there. It was like, oh, well, you know, um, well, my name is Jordan. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows who, who's Jordan Smith. Is it a guy? Is it a girl? Is it, you know, so that was pretty ambiguous. Great job, mom and dad. Um, <laughs> but then I would walk into interviews and, you know, be the blind. And they're like, okay. And, you know, you speak well. And it'd be those Ooh, little things that you would hear. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you speak well. Oh, you're so, you're so clean and put together. Yes. And then I could, I could say one thing and it's like, uh, well, like I said, about, about my partner or uh-huh. something. And then, or it, it could be something small, adjust myself in a chair a certain way. And then it's like, oh, okay. So you're not one of those. Yeah. And I always found that interesting that, um, you know, being a black man and my sexuality, it never combined. It was mm-hmm. always either like one or the other. Because then I would go back to the hood mm-hmm. and, you know, you definitely had to present a certain kind of way, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And I know people that were able to maneuver um, and just totally be themselves. And I would yeah. envy those people because they're just like, I'm going to be me. It is what it is. But code switching, mm-hmm. so to speak, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on where I was, I could easily just, you know, do something really, really small. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, so yeah, he's black, but oh, he's oh, he's oh, he's okay. Yeah, you know, um, which was interesting. That was definitely an interesting um, thing to realize. You know, as I started to get into my twenties and you know um, into my thirties, it was like, okay, I kind of see what this is. Uh, whether it was good or bad, mm-hmm. um, I'm still not sure um, because I don't, I don't want to be. Um, I don't, nobody, like you said, nobody likes to be marginalized. Nobody likes to be put into a box. Um, and I would hate that it would feel like that. Mm. Like, you know, you had to be something. Be something. Choose something. Yeah. Pick a side. Um, but I'm all those things. Mm-hmm. You know? I'm a man. I am black. I am gay. You know? Um, but yeah. Okay. So I feel like we could have a whole another hour conversation about, <laughs> honestly, like the nuances between, like, within the gay communities and mm. within the gay community and being black and like presenting a certain way as a black man that's gay so the world. and how you know well, I feel like we have a whole, a whole totally movie. different even the idea <laughs> right. um, that some would say that you know it's it's more acceptable for a black woman to come out as lesbian or bisexual or anything than it would be for a black man to come out as gay or bisexual mm. hence you know all the other things that come along with that. Um, but we don't have another hour. So the one thing, <laughs> so, so just, you know, in closing, what I would like to hear from each of you is based on your experience, if you could tell someone, you know, some, some young, um, you know, black Gen Z uh, person who might be struggling a little bit with their identity, what, what advice would you give to them? Ooh. I would definitely say um, you're not going to get it all at once. Hmm. Um, I think we, as a society, we want things to be laid out, simple, clear, precise. Um, what is it that you're doing? What, what, what are you? Hmm. We all want this clear, precise um, explanation from people, if that's even it. Um, you're not going to get it all at once. I feel like even after, I mean, talking about I came out 20 years ago, I'm still dealing with things mm-hmm. on a day-to-day basis in regards to that. Um, like we talked about, you know, just kind of where you see your life and you get to a certain age and you just kind of start thinking differently. Um, you're not going to get it all at once. Um, it's a journey. Mm-hmm. It's a journey, and, you know, and it's going to be ebbs and flows and peaks and valleys. And I think mainly the thing is I would tell anybody to just not be hard on yourself because mm-hmm. um, people are going to do that for you. Mm-hmm. People okay. are going to do it for you. Um so as long as you can kind of feel good about what you see mm-hmm. when you're looking in the mirror, um, you have to try to compartmentalize it as much as you can and let some of the other noise go. Because um, otherwise, it'll make you crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's true. Well, I would say, um, dang, that's another loaded question. I'd be like, God, dang, God. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just kidding. Um, I guess I would say, like, every day choose you. Mm-hmm. Um, is something that I would advise. Um, and that's that could be whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very broad for a good reason of it being very broad because you can define it yourself. Right? What that looks like. Does it, does it mean 
right now, speaking your truth and being out there doesn't mean, you know, hiding maybe that identity as of right now, if you feel like it's unsafe or, yeah, unsafe. But I would say for anyone that is, that finds it challenging, every day choose you because you can't, even if you try to please other people, you can't do that, right? Mm-hmm. You're the only person that that truly matters. Um, and just like Jordan said, it is a journey. So in this journey, you sometimes you got to be your own best friend yeah. and be your own person, and whatever that looks like for them. All right, Dr. E, got it. <laughs> All right, well, there you have it, folks. We got Aaron Delaney and Jordan Smith on being LGBTQ in the black community. See y'all next time.